Welcome to Church Ahead, the weekly Christian podcast talking about big questions facing the future of church with Rev L all the way from the north of England. Episode 69, Preaching Conclusion. I'm going to name four clergy. Reverend Anne Gilbert, Rochdale Parish Church. Reverend Anne-Marie Naylor, St Mary's Asbury, Cheshire. Father Chris Moore, St Cross Church, Clayton, East Manchester. Father Andrew Starkey, St Margaret Mary, New Moston, North Manchester. What do these four people have in common? We're talking about preaching on Church Ahead, and in recent months, I have heard all four of these clergy preach a sermon more than half-decent. Anne turned a holiday story into a skillful sermon illustration and challenged her congregation quite meaningfully to be more direct in conflict resolution. Anne-Marie managed to rise to the challenge of inspiring her church with a diocesan mission statement consultation. Father Chris helped a multicultural congregation, many of whom would not be native English speakers, see their churches built to look a bit like Noah's Ark because church is a bit like a saving boat on the sea. I really think the people got it and quite enjoyed the experience. Father Andrew, a conservative Catholic in the English ordinariate, challenged his people to believe it or go home. Very skillful use of silence after each rhetorical question. Brilliantly done. In this series about preaching, I've set the bar very high. I've been talking about the best preachers I've ever heard versus the rest. Most preachers would say, how elitist, and they would not be wrong, because a more meaningful division would be the difference between preachers whose servants build up the church versus those who contribute to church demise. It's a subjective judgment for me to make especially in a church where I'm only there for one week and I'm trying to take in both the preacher and the people's reaction. There's no clipboard or questionnaire. I'm watching carefully and looking for the clues. The four preachers I have named were, in my view, more than half-decent. Half-decent means they've crossed the threshold of offering something which gives the majority of the people something worthwhile. The punters were informed, educated, perhaps even entertained, to borrow from the BBC's director, Sir John Reith. Their eyes will have been opened, their hearts warmed. They will go away with a sense, God has been speaking to me. More than half decent, and the church will have grown in strength, if not necessarily in numbers. So whilst we're on the subject of numbers... How many preachers have I heard this year who were less than half-decent? Who bored, baffled, bemused? Who left the church more disappointed and depressed than 15 minutes earlier? Who exemplified what embarrasses Christians about their church? Sermons whose only lasting question in the minds of the listeners is, Why did I come here? Yes, I'm convinced that less than half-decent sermons weaken church like a viral illness. And how many have I heard this year? 
I can tell you more than four, much more. Put simply, I think one of the reasons church is in decline is because the majority of preaching is less than half decent. Why is this? Well, it's time to draw a few conclusions from our Church Ahead series about preaching. I'm afraid I'm going to be terribly harsh and dreadfully elitist. During this series, we've met some of the most talented, creative communicators in the wider world, but none of them have really been able to show us how to be a good preacher, with the possible exception of Bernard Manning, who also shows us a fair bit of what a preacher should not be. Preaching well is one of the most difficult things any human being can do or try to do. Most preachers, and I'm going to be really brutal now, are just not intelligent enough. They're not well educated enough, and in particular they're not theologically well trained enough. And so many who are good at telling stories aren't capable of fitting their stories into a theology. Their stories are a distraction. Good preachers use stories to earth big ideas in the lived experience of their people. Clergy of my generation got two to three years full-time at theological college. Germans would laugh at this. They give their clergy seven years full-time in a university environment. Mainstream British churches can't even afford the two or three years anymore and are increasingly replacing residential full-time training with night school. There's a vicious cycle of decline where churches don't value ministry, so won't pay for proper training, so the quality goes down and the people value it even less. Yes, I've heard the spin about bringing ministry closer to the people, but I'm afraid preaching is an elite skill even where the congregation are the humblest of souls, and you can't cut corners. You need the best training for the best people. How many of us, if we were going into hospital for, say, brain surgery, would be happy with a surgeon who did two years online modules whilst running down their first career as a social worker? I expect you would be unashamedly elitist in your preferences. Preaching is elitist. Let me tell you something about the life of a parish priest. Most of what they do is not very demanding for someone who's bright and able. Lots of administration and lots of listening to people. Clever people often feel a bit frustrated about not being stretched. Many people who've had high-powered careers can't believe how mundane most ministry is. Well, preaching is a bit different. Preaching is difficult. And as the calibre of clergy goes downwards, this is where it shows up. Yes, I know this all sounds very harsh. But if anything, I think I've undersold how difficult preaching is because I've really only talked about one side of the communication bridge. Not only do preachers need a big brain, but they need a very sensitive heart for their people and deep understanding of their lives. The work on both sides of that bridge is extremely challenging. My sense of these four more than half decent practitioners 
as that they all know their people really well. Their messages were crafted to people whose hopes and fears they know inside out. Watching them preach felt a bit like sitting in a family kitchen watching somebody serve up a family supper. The cook who knows about food and knows what the family need to eat. Is there anything we can say to encourage any battered and bruised preacher listening to this who feels perhaps intimidated by me setting the bar so high? Whilst I think the very top preachers have a pretty special gift, many people could become a more than half-decent preacher if they put the work in. At this level, preaching is kinder than some of the other creative callings we've considered. I suspect preaching is more responsive to training than, say, writing a novel or screenplay. You do need some creativity, but you don't have to be a one-off creative genius. Do you have to be ordained? No, there are some superb lay preachers. David Day ran a teacher training college in Durham. He was one of the best preachers I have ever heard. But in another sense, yes, you do need to be ordained. Ordained in the sense of set apart from doing other things to pay the bills. You need to be able to give the best part of your working week to this thing if you're going to be really good. But of course, most vicars are too busy doing other things most of the time. So... Not necessarily ordained, but set apart. Not necessarily wearing a dog collar or running an ecclesiastical unit. So in this sense, many clergy are not ordained for the call of preaching. In the early 1990s, Dick Lucas on the Proclamation Trust preaching courses used to sympathise with my generation of clergy because we prepare our sermons on desks that house a devilish device of distraction Yes, the telephone. He pined for the life of C.H. Spurgeon, who preached before the telephone. How quaint that sounds today. Clergy today are bombarded with communication channels they have to respond to. And even worse, they have so much more work to do. Of the four clergy I've named at the top of this show, most of them look after more than one church. You could see this as better use of resources because a sermon sweated over can now be used in more than one location. But it's more work for hard-pressed Christian leaders. Who should we blame for all of this? Well, we don't train our clergy enough and then we give them too much to do. So if preaching is in decline, that's our fault, not theirs. Call us deluded But I'm from a generation of evangelical preachers who thought that when we got ordained at Peter's Eyde in June, we were going to transform the Church of England by Christmas. We'd seen churches thrive on the back of good preaching, rather like the experience I kicked off this series with at All Souls Langham Place. Well, number one, like Jeanette Winterson and many others, the only thing we saw by Christmas was a realisation of how difficult preaching is. Number two, we were a bit partisan to think that evangelical clergy own good preaching. The Catholic and even sometimes liberal traditions 
can produce fine preachers too. But number three, our naive arrogance did have a grain of truth wrapped up in this youthful delusion. The future of church is partly about preaching and numbers. I'll tell you today about four more than half decent preachers. Well, what about if there were 400 round here? What if there were 4,000 across this country and we trained them properly and left them alone to actually get on with the job? And that there were, let's say, only four poor preachers. Those numbers would turn the church around. A great deal of what church leaders spend their time on doesn't make that much difference to the church's prospects for the future. But I'm convinced preaching does. Bad preaching is not a victimless crime. At best, it's like serving ultra-processed food to hungry diners who are now going to get fat and ill. At worst, it's an assault on the church. It's like firing a taser on Eric Liddell in the chariots of fire running along the beach. Good preaching is like horse manure on roses. The roses are going to bloom better. Every time a sermon is preached, your church goes forwards or backwards. Preaching shifts things one way or the other. After preaching, something has changed. That church has moved one way or the other. You've got to feel some sympathy for 21st century church leaders watching their movement shrink back in front of their eyes, worrying what, if anything, they can do about it. As a young man, I thought that being a diocesan bishop would be a wonderful job to have all that power. I suspect it's a pretty dismal position to be in today. So many of the harsh winds blowing against the church are beyond their control. But preaching is something within the church's control. Sunday by Sunday, pulpit by lectern, 10 to 15 minutes at a time, church can regain lost ground and go forward. Meanwhile, what's the future of preaching on the present trajectory? I think the quality will continue to decline. As Bible knowledge shrinks, fewer preachers will try to teach the Bible, partly because the congregations aren't interested and partly because they don't know much themselves. We will see more forms of worship that pretty much drop the sermon. Preaching, where it survives, will mutate into confessional testimony, experience sharing, commenting on soap operas, party political platform, hustings for internal church politics, extended church community notices. And we've already started to see sermons written by artificial intelligence. Ugh. Some churches will play recordings of star preachers and more people will sermon taste online from the comfort of their own home, perhaps whilst doing the ironing. Those who think my vision is uncomfortably harsh and elitist are probably going to get more of what you want. But I say be careful what you wish for. In 50 years, I suspect there won't be many podcasters in their 50s who would join me in saying, 
preaching was the most exciting spiritual experience of my life. Hearing the best preachers was more powerful than any concert or performance or human event of any kind. And trying to rise up to that challenge myself as a preacher was the most exhilarating ride of my life. Thank you for listening to episode 69. We've nearly finished our preaching series. We've got one more week of looking at how preaching affects and infects all church communication. 